Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So here we are. So get ready. If you have your Bibles, you can grab those. We're going to take a journey uh, through the Old Testament, and you can follow me. But what I love about the Old Testament is that it's filled with people and stories and things that have happened that we can go back and look, look at. Well, things falling out of my Bible. It's fine. We can look at as testimonies to, to look for wisdom, look for what do they do in the situation, and things that can encourage us and inspire us. So what I love especially is that these people that we're going to talk about in Genesis, they didn't have this to look at. They, these are stories about them. So their faith is even more inspiring because all they had was their relationship with God, and they didn't even have the word of God to help them through and, and sustain them. So I love that I'm going to look at five different um, things in the Old Testament, five different altars that we're going to look at and draw from to help us today. So and my uh, title this morning is An Altered Life. We're going to talk about some altars. So altars are, are an approach to God. It's something that they built in the Old Testament as a physical structure, territory taking, dedicated to God where they would make sacrifices and commune with him, have an encounter with him. Well, we don't have to build altars anymore because we live in the new covenant and Jesus paid the sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus. I am Thankful to Jesus for about a million reasons, one of them being that we don't have to build altars and make sacrifices anymore, because I can barely read through Leviticus without getting a stomachache. I, I just can't, I'm like, I would not have done well during this time. This is, this is really difficult. Thank you, Jesus, for being the last sacrifice for us. <laughs> so I love that we live in the New, new Testament, in the New Covenant, but we are gonna look back at some of these things and, and draw from them, and I think that we can learn uh, from some of these things. So we're going to go through uh, and look at Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses this morning. So get your buckles, your seatbelts fastened. We're going through the Old Testament, Exodus, Genesis and Exodus. All right, let's go right into it. So the first altar that was built in the Bible, we see Noah. After spending about a year in the ark, 370 days, God remembered Noah. He remembered him. God, Moses had entered the ark with his family and all of the animals, and it rained, but then he remained on the ark for about a year. So this is where we pick up right here, Genesis 8, 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on an altar. And the Lord smelled a smooth aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. And I love this because it was God's promise to man. So this altar is remembering God's promise. 
And I love it because it's the first altar that is made in the Bible. And so it's a picture of, of God's promise to us and covenant with us. He has, he, he does make promises to us and keeps those promises. He remembered Noah in that tough place. He sees you. He knows what you're going through and he's going to remember you. So every year we, we write our vision cards and we write down things on there. Does everybody have their vision card? I think I talk about that every time I preach because I'm so passionate about it. I'm serious. Where is it? Where have you written down your dreams and visions? Where? Where are they? Do people know what they are? Great, great job, David. David, you got this. Come on. Um, so where are they? So about in 2017, we were in our old house and... Michael and I, every year we write down um, on a paper our five-year goals, our vision cards, and then we have five-year goals and 10-year goals. And so this year, I don't know why, this is the only time you've ever done this, but he wrote down our, our visions and our dreams and our goals, and he put them on note cards, and he pinned them to our wall outside of our bedroom. So every time we came outside, we would, we would see that vision board, and we'd be praying into it every time we walked by. So about a year later, the church was looking at starting uh, an East Campus, and they met together with their leaders, and they just try, were trying to think of people who they might um, send out to start East Campus, and our names popped up. And someone in the, ta someone in the room, someone at the table said, oh, they don't, they're not interested in, in doing that. They, you know, they're in their careers. I'm a dental hygienist. Michael's an aerospace engineer, and we are happy you know, serving the church. I think... I don't know if we were still in kids' church at that time, but I would have been happy forever just serving and coming to church and loving life, being a part of what God is doing. But another girl at the table, Pastor Michaela Hubbard, they oversee San Marcos campus and beyond. But she goes, no, I saw it on their vision wall. They it said campus pastors. And, and, like, I, and, and so they're like, oh, okay. But if, if he hadn't written it down, and mind you, I didn't. That, I was not really in agreement with this when he wrote this down. I'm like, I, I can't be Pastor Becky. I can't do that. I, I don't want to do that. I'm happy just being, you know, in the foyer. I'm happy just teaching in DNA. I don't need a microphone. But something in Michael, it maybe it was a seed promised from God. He decided he would write it on there and put it on the thing. So guess what? Three months later, they asked us to be to go out and launch the East Campus, which is like. Totally, totally God thing. I mean, that was not even on our radar, at least my radar. Michael, you need to, maybe you don't share these things with me because I'll be, I don't know, I'll shut them down. But, but, but God knew. So what promises do you have that God has given you or dreams that God's given you that you've yet to see be fulfilled? What are those things? Well, God sees you and he's gonna remember you. And there's maybe even dreams that you have deep down that you've had since childhood that you haven't seen come to pass yet. Well, God's gonna resurrect those as well. So as we remember Noah and God's promise to Noah, we remember that his promises are yes and amen and that he always knows what's best for us. So in Jesus' name, we thank you for that. Amen. All right, that's altar number one. All right, we're going to go on a journey to altar number two. So the second altar we come across in the Bible is from Abraham. Actually, there's several altars with Abraham, but I'm going to talk about two of them. All right, Genesis 12, 7 through 8. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. There you go, taking territory. I give you this land, build an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent um, 
with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So I'm not sure if you know this, but Bethel means house of God. And Ai represents a place of redemption. So right after they had defeated uh, Jericho, they, they had won, they had plundered that place and tore the walls down. So they were ordered not to take anything from that place. So the first city after that they came to defeat, they lost. And, and God said, it's because one of you has, has a sin. And Joshua, this is with Joshua now, he discovered that one of his men had stolen things that he wasn't supposed to steal. So, so Joshua had to come back, repent, re, re, um, you know, fix the sin, basically. And then the next time they went into battle, they won the battle in AI. So it is representative of a place of redemption, a place that they had failed, but then had victory. So when we establish ourselves where, where Abraham had had put his tent in between a place of house of God and a place of redemption, we are setting um, a territory and taking ground where our future generations can have victory. That's exactly what happened. So Abraham was a pioneer. He was coming into agreement with God's call on his life, his promises on his life, and he was obedient. When God called him, he went. He was the father of our faith, and we can look to him as an example. In Genesis 12, 1, 2, 3, it says, God tells him, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. What a promise. What a blessing. And, and we are, are heirs to this blessing. This is an Abrahamic covenant. And so Abraham walked in faith into, into the land, brought everyone with him with a promise and with a blessing. He's like, all right, God, that's all I need. Here we go. Come on, everyone. We're going this way. And he took everyone with him. And they, they just had like camels and ho horses maybe back then. They didn't have, you know, all these things to help them. So it was a big journey that they had to make. But this is not unlike our pastors, our lead pastors, Pastors Jurgen and Leanne, that I feel have this, have an Abraham Abrahamic anointing on them, that they left Sydney, all that they had, fame, notoriety. Pastor Jurgen could, if you announced Pastor Jurgen was going to preach, he could fill a stadium. Everyone would have come. You know, everyone knew him, but they, they were obedient to God, were, were sent to San Diego where they knew that, that they needed to start Awaken Church. And because of that, our children don't have to pioneer in the same way that they did, that we've already established a foundation here, and we've already established things, and we, we've started. So, but for Pastors Jurgen and Leanne, they had to start from zero. They started with a blessing and a promise. That's all they had. So we honor them today for, for doing that. And, and they've really laid the groundwork. Because if you think about it, now we're standing in this beautiful building. But, you know, 18 years ago, they were meeting set up and tear down in a gym. So even in the last 15 to 20 years, what has shifted in the city and the impact that is coming on the city was, was because of their faithfulness. And, and they have forged the way for us. So just thank you, Pastor and Leanne, for what you've done in the city. And it's going to continue to happen in Jesus' name. All right. So now we come to the next altar, the next generation, an altar from Isaac. Genesis 26, 23 to 25. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. 
Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. I call this altar a place of encounter. So even in that scripture, God is reminding Isaac that that the blessings are also for Isaac, that he's not just the God of his father, but also for him. So this is where Isaac's faith became his own. This is where Isaac had an encounter with God that it, it was no longer just his father's faith, his father's promise and blessing, but this is where Isaac steps into it and says, okay, God is reminding him, this is for you as well. It's where Isaac picks up the torch and carries on the family name. And if you remember, Isaac is the son of promise. Abraham's the father of our faith, but Isaac's the son of promise. And Isaac almost lost his life on an altar way back when. And that was a pivotal moment in, in our faith as a Christian that, that, that happened. So this is where we see Isaac really take on the mantle of, of following in his father's footsteps. And um, we see this all the time, you know, in churches, you can grow up in church, you go to Sunday school and your parents make you go. And I had to wear like itchy tights. My legs always itched. And I'm like, why do I have to wear these white tights? And, um, you know, you go, but at some point in my life, I had to realize that, that I had to make Jesus my personal Lord and Savior. And there's a moment in everyone's life, everyone's life, where you have this moment. And maybe that moment is here today. When, when is it that it's going to be? It's no longer the faith of my father or my mother, but it's going to be your own personal faith. And for my dad, he grew up in the Catholic church, so he loved God. But he didn't realize that until he met my mother that you could actually open this up and, and read for yourself the, the stories in here. And my dad, my dad loves history, so he's like, oh my gosh, this happened and this happened and oh my gosh. Anyone who's read through the Old Testament, it is, it is like a Lord of the Rings movie, okay? There's so much that happens in there. By the way, Rings of Power is a very good series. You should watch it. But, um, but it wasn't until then that my dad felt awakened and, and personalized his faith. All right. So there we go for Isaac. All right. The next one. Any guesses? Next altar. Who's next? Who's after Isaac? Jacob. All right. So let's see how Jacob does. So we got Abraham. We got Isaac. Now we have Jacob. Genesis 33, 18 to 20. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem which is the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city. And he, brought the he bought the parcel of land which he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohi Israel, meaning God, the God of Israel. And this is, this is just so, so beautiful. It's another, um, a deeper depth of, of what this altar means because he actually names this altar and, and gives it an identity. And it is actually a picture of his identity because his name at that point his name at that point was Israel. So he was saying, God, my God. Genesis 35, one through three. Then God said to Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away your foreign gods that are among you. 
Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in a way which I have not, wait, which I have gone. There we go. Sorry about that. So this represents to me Jacob's change, is a change in identity. So we're going to camp here a little bit because I want to talk about each of those things that Jacob talks about. So Jacob, he, he runs away, scared of, scared of Esau and scared of his family and afraid of what might happen. He runs away. He has an encounter with God. God wrestles with him. He touches him, changes his name, changes his identity. But then God, he, um, he encourages Jacob he, that, that he's with him. He gives him, he gives him a new vision. Um, he gives him injects faith into him and says, this is what you've got to do. And now you've got to go back to your homeland. Stop running away. So, but I love Jacob because he's like, okay, all y'all have to come with me and do it too. So he's a leader. <laughs> he's not letting anyone go without, without doing these things first. So he's leading his people. Here we go. The first one, it says, put away foreign gods that are among you. So this is where I want to talk about idols. So a few chapters earlier, Jacob's wife, Rachel, in verse 31, had taken her father's idols, and he hid, she hid them in her uh, camel saddle. But we don't know why she took the idols. It's interesting that it's in there. Either she had an emotional attachment to them, or they were valuable. She thought, well, this is, maybe I need some extra money for something if she sold them. Maybe she was trying to, you know, take her dad away from idol worship, or maybe she used them or thought they might be a backup plan if the God of Jacob was not really going to come through for her. But historians don't know why she took the idols. We know they t she took the idols, and then there was some deception around it, some lying around it, and um, nothing really did happen. But a few chapters later, she did die tragically, um, which is sad. So we don't know much about Rachel after that point. But um, so my mom, she uh, was half Japanese. She was born in the States, but she grew up in Japan. She went there when she was six months and came to the States to go to college. So she grew up with Japanese culture. My great, I'm not sure about my grandma, but my great grandma I know is Buddhist. And uh, so she had Buddhism on one side. And then uh, my, so my mom was the only child. Her grandma was Buddhist on this side, and then her father was a Freemason. So my mom lived on this earth with some struggles. And since I found this church, I, I always felt like my mom struggled with things, but she never really wanted to talk about them or open the door to talk about them. Like, she loved Jesus. She was saved. But she's like, let's just not go there. That past is too painful. And she didn't um, want to go there. So even though we were part of this church, my mom didn't attend this church. She lived in Washington. So she would see us and be like, that's great, and then go back to her happy place. To her, her happy place was not dealing with those things. But um, so f four and a half, so uh, five years ago, I'm not sure now, yeah, about five years ago, um, my, she had a good friend that came over to her house. And she, her, the friend uh, saw in the home, there's little statues, you know, and things that were from Japan. And I, I must have grown up with them, but I didn't notice them or feel weird about them or anything like that. But there was like a little man, like this big um, solid wood, some expensive wood, but he had a big belly. He wasn't a Buddha, but he was like this happy guy that you would like rub his belly, you know, like, I, I don't know. And then these other little things, <laughs> I'm not sure. But my mom was kept, kept them because they, she said, they're valuable. They were my mother's. These are 
the, you, you can already see this is a generational thing and an attachment. And my mom wasn't using them for idol worship, but they were things that were probably not supposed to be in her home and things that she had a, an unhealthy attachment to. So this friend said, surely you gotta get, you gotta rid your house of these things. You know, and, and so this friend led my mom through a, a deliverance and healing from attachment from these things, and my mom did get rid of these things. The crazy thing is, my mom passed away one month later when we were on vacation in Japan. Many of you know that. But it wasn't until two months ago that I had learned this story about my mom, that, that this lady came to visit me here. She came to church, and she said, Lisa, I had this moment with your mom before her death that I was able to pray for her. She received healing and she received breakthrough. And that just brought me so much peace. I mean, I, I know my mom was in heaven. I already knew that, but it gave me peace knowing that she had some freedom this side of earth. So, and I share that because I love you all and I don't, you know, if there's things in your life that we have unhealthy attachments to, then we wanna pray those um, away from you today, so. So how do we uh, identify uh, idol worship? It's anything that takes the place of God on, in your life. It's anything that unseats him as Lord of your life. So it could be your identity, it could be your job, it could be a person, it could be your money, it could be something physical or something not physical. It can be anything that unseats. It could be fear. You could, you, I mean, if you go to fear before God, then that's your idol. Why are you going to that thing? So think about this. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you get your joy? And what do you think about? These are things that can help you identify what are idols in your life. And anything besides God is, is gonna not give you the best result. So let's, let's think about those things. So, and this is where I also want to mention crystals. So crystals have been so popular recently, and um, I've just been seeing them. I'm sure they've been around since the beginning of time. They are, you know, from the earth. But, but people carry them now as a, as a sign and a, a physical, uh, you know, tangible thing of their faith. Well, you need to replace it with this. Carry this around, okay? This is a physical, tangible thing. You don't need crystals. You don't need them. You know, anything that you exchange energies with, you need to be careful about, okay? Don't open doors to things that are not from God. That you're, we're gonna have deliverance for you every week if you do that, okay? We don't wanna do that. We want to set you free and then you stay free, okay? Come on, this is, yes. A clap to that. So anything, just think about it. Anything that manipulates, seeks to manipulate the spirit world, is categorized as witchcraft. Did you know that? And since it's replacing your trust in God, considered idolatry. So let's be wise about what we are tying ourselves to, and let's be let's have healthy let's have healthy ties and not unhealthy ones. Okay, come on. What are the first two commandments? Exodus 20, 30, uh, three through four. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water of the earth. So this is where God says, he's not trying to be mean to us. He's trying to protect us. So what do we do if you feel like you're being, if I'm shining a little flashlight 
in there. What do we do, okay? Don't be worried. There's nothing that's bad. We seek revelation and wisdom from the Holy Spirit, and then he, we ask him to guide us. This is not a message to make you feel bad. It's a, it's a message to, to shine the light on the path that you should go on. Like, it's as easy as that. It's, it's as easy as there's a left and a right, and you choose the path that leads to God. That's as easy as it is. All right. So the next one that Jacob tells us to do, purify ourselves Make it right with God. That's it. That's what I just said. Change your waves. Burn the ships. No turning back. Just keep choosing the right path. And maybe that's a choice you make every day. As long, like yesterday you made a mistake, that's okay. Today, make a better one. It's, it's not, you know, it's choose him. Create in us a pure heart, God. Help us every day. If you need to pray that every day, that's okay. And remember, Jesus paid it all for us. So whatever you've done, wipe clean by him. All right, the third thing Jacob asks us to do is change your garments. So clothing represents identity. When I go to work at the dental office, I wear scrubs so that when, I, when people come in, they know I work there. Or for whatever it is, we wear clothes that's identity. So when he says to change your garments, it's, it's a change of identity. And, and you know, in this instance, I'm, it's, I'm, for us, applicable to us, it's, it's more in the spiritual than our physical clothes. We put on Christ, Romans 13, 14. We put on the armor of God. We take off pride. We put on humility. We take off ungratefulness. We put on thankfulness. We take off anger. We put on self-control. So these are, these are things that are going to be representative of us as a Christian. What do people see when they look at you as a Christian? Do they see these fruits? I actually wore my fruit shirt today. I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm wearing fruit. So if you're a Christian, you should have some fruit on you that people can see, okay? That's the clothes. That's the clothes you should be wearing. So you have permission to, you have my permission to go buy a fruit shirt. <laughs> then we can all wear them together. All right, our last point. Our last altar we're gonna talk about is Moses. Remembering the victory. This is such an important one. And thank you, Jesus, that I'm remembering the victory from last night. <laughs> Amen. Come on. I love it. So Exodus 17, 8 through 15. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was. When Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on either side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. Such a beautiful reminder that you, God, have the victory, that you are our victory, you are our banner. So good. And, and I love our church because we like to celebrate the victories. We take every moment that we can to celebrate. You always see like confetti off the stage and cakes and cupcakes and 
flowers and parties and balloons because we want to remember the victories. It is so important. Life is too hard as it is to, to pass by the victories. And that was one thing I loved about the Padres win last night because the excitement in the locker room, oh my goodness, that they showed after. I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like the Dodgers would not have been celebrating the way the Padres were had they won. Because the, the Dodgers, it was like, oh, it is an expected win. We're the best team in baseball, you know? And so when they, I feel like because the Padres were the underdog, the celebration was like off the chart. So it was so fun to watch. But I love celebrating the victories because it's also, it also creates a mile marker, a milestone, a line in the sand. So that when, as we continue to walk forward, we might encounter some tough things. You know, we can look back and, and be like, okay, actually we've, we've had these victories. Look at these victories and write them down, write down your testimonies. That's why we keep testimonies in the forefront of all of our tithe messages and preaches and prayer meetings because it builds faith and helps people believe for things that maybe they didn't have faith for. Because if it happened to you, it can happen to me. So I love it. So who here has played uh, Super Mario Brothers? Everyone should be raising their hand. Everyone, okay. So what I love about that game is that when you accomplish a level and you hit the flag, pee, okay? You go to the next thing, but then you start the new level and then the fireballs come out and you're like dead in two seconds. And then, but guess what? You don't have to go back to the beginning of the game. You just have to go back to the last milestone and victory that you've had. And that's, and that's God's grace. He takes us to, from place to place. But it's, and it's such a good reminder because when we face troubles or when we face hard things in life, remember, actually, you're with me. I can do this. So as we get set back, you, you, you come back and be like, okay, actually, I'm standing on these victories. I'm standing on these promises. I, I know God has promised this. I know. And then it helps you propel forward. And then that's how we um, continue on our walk and stay encouraged on our walk for, the, for our faith. In Jesus' name, I love it. But I love Awaken Church because Pastor Jurgen says he doesn't build buildings, he builds altars. And, and so right here is a place of encounter. So we don't have to have altars of our own anymore. God, Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. We don't need to have altars anymore. But we have altars as a place of encounter. This is a place where God's presence is, where you can come and be restored. We can leave things on the altar. We've released them off of us in the spiritual and the physical, and you can have an encounter here. So each awakened building is an altar dedicated to God. So when you come to the house of God, you are meeting him in his place, in his home, in his place of victory. And so we are gonna use that altar as intended today as, as we come to a close. It is both a place of consecration and repentance and restoration. Matthew 19, 13 says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So re repenting doesn't mean feeling bad about what you did yesterday. It's acknowledging, okay, I need you, God. And just coming down and saying, I need you. <laughs> I need you, God. And it should be a refreshing. Repenting should lead to refreshing. It's releasing off of you. There shouldn't be a, a burden, a shame, a guilt. God does not want us walking around that way. And as we come down to this altar, we get refreshed. We have an encounter with him and we're able to continue out on our lives 
each and every day because of what he has done for us. So Lord, let's all stand. We're gonna come to a close. God, we just thank you for your victory on the cross that we get to walk in it. And as we understand our identity and who you are, we look back at these altars of agreement, identity, victory, encounter, and your promises. We remember these things and we, we put them in our heart and we are encouraged that you are with us, that you'll never leave us, and that you're here for us and you want the best for us. So the first thing we need to do is connect to Jesus or reconnect to Jesus. And Michael kind of um, started the, the message with this and, and helped prepare some hearts. But if you feel like you need a, a new connection with Jesus, there's gonna be a moment down here on the altar. If you feel you need freedom from some things that have been tying you back, keeping you less than your best or keeping you, you've been living under, we're gonna pray for you down on this altar. And if you, if you do need freedom, it's really easy. You just recognize the problem, you repent, you renounce it, you release forgiveness, and you receive forgiveness. And then we resist the enemy who tries to come in and whisper things that are not true. So we are gonna come into a song right now. And during this time, I would love for you to come and fill the altar if you need a fresh touch, need an encounter, need prayer, and, or need to just rest in his presence. So we're gonna open the altar as we sing this song. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.